Hello, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. And we hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. And if you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. For the past several weeks, uh, we've been in a series that, uh, where we're exploring broken signposts. Uh, broken signposts are the things in life that um, help bring meaning to the world uh, and help kind of provide a compass of what matters most in the world, but uh, the, our experience of them is usually disappointing or they don't provide what they sometimes have promised. Um, and so we've been in this series for a number of weeks, and a few weeks ago, I noticed a signpost appeared in the front of our church. And several people have asked me, what's the deal with the signposts? And I have to say, I have no idea who's behind it or what is happening. And then this morning, and then you'll notice that, uh, what I've noticed anyway, is that the signpost grows as the themes that we talk about in the series grow. But the signposts themselves are broken and laying on the ground. It's a, quite literally, in the, as you come in the church, there is a broken signpost. So thank you, whomever you are behind this, for your deep engagement and investment in this sermon series that warms a pastor's heart, right? This is not just uh, something that we're like just trying to get through. This is something we're engaging with faithfully. So thank you so much for that. Um, And maybe it will forever remain a mystery who's behind it, but uh, will will the real broken signpost person please stand up, you know? so broken signposts are these things, these themes in our life that, that really provide meaning, but our experience of them is, is disappointing. And so they're signposts in that they point beyond themselves. They're broken in that our experience of them is imperfect. Uh, and what we're talking about are, are themes like justice, love, spirituality, freedom, those kinds of things. What we've tried to do in this series is to understand these signposts in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can both better understand the signpost itself, but also better understand God's activity in the world. And and if you've been a careful listener throughout the series, you've noticed a couple of things. That first, all of the signposts, whether truth, love, beauty, justice, freedom, and all the rest, are human longings that have been given to us by God. That is to say that we affirm that our instinct toward these things is right, good, and God-given. We should care about justice. We should care about freedom. We should care about love and spirituality and beauty and the rest. That's the first. These are good, God-given things. The second, though, is that the cross and the resurrection of Jesus redefines our understanding of each of the signposts, right? You've, you've maybe noticed that not only have we been in the Gospel of John each time, but each message we're connecting these themes to how they are redefined in the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And so we've come to know that our instinct toward these themes is God-given and that the truest expression of these themes is God in Christ on the cross and through the resurrection. Let me quickly just kind of like run us through some of the things that we've learned. Jesus became the victim of ultimate injustice. He was sent to death as an innocent man, but in so doing, took upon the sin of the world on himself in order that we might be reconciled to God. 
Through this act, the God-made flesh justice is redefined from punishment that is equal to the offense and redefined to restored relationship to God, creation, and other people. That at the cross, we're shown that love is not primarily seeking to see what we can get out of a relationship, but love is action that serves the needs of others. The cross and resurrection shows us that there is beauty to be found in the world that is still framed by death. The cross and resurrection shows us there is beauty to be found in a world that is still framed by death. That which we find beautiful is that which connects us to life and new creation and reminds us that it isn't all bad news, right? I think beauty was probably one of my favorite messages in the series because if you're anything like me in this kind of season of life and and just where we're at in the world, I, I tend to be pretty cynical sometimes. I can I can navigate pretty quickly to cynicism. I like I've got I've got cynicism on speed dial, if you know what I mean, right? <laughs> and so uh, this idea that recognizing beauty like rescues us, us from cynicism, if even for a moment, because it reminds us that it's not all bad news. Um, and that's a, that's a good thing. The cross reveals to us that true freedom is not just about personal liberty, but freedom for the purpose of serving others. Today I want to talk about our final signpost, which is power. Our final signpost, power. Um, and I'd be willing to bet that you know where this is headed. <laughs> um, but to discuss power, I want to actually return again uh, to the conversation between Jesus and Pilate just before Jesus' crucifixion. If you'll remember, we did this same conversation, this same passage of Scripture, uh, when we looked at truth. And we just discussed how kind of truth, uh, Pilate's truth, God's truth, uh, were kind of in, in conflict or in a debate with one another. And what we're going to find is that there's also two versions of power at work in this conversation. So let's return again to John chapter 18, beginning with verse 33. I want to read through 38. Um, it says this, Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Uh, your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to talk about power. Uh, power these days is uh, kind of a negative term. Um, there's a big movement about the um, misuse of, of those who are in power and have authority. Uh, and so power is often seen in today's world as something that needs to be overturned, overthrown, or stripped from those who have it. Um, but 
if we step back a little bit, we realize that all of us are subject to some kind of power structure. And while we may want to resist this at first and sort of assert our independence, I would argue that uh, we probably wouldn't want to live in a world that doesn't have any kind of power structure. Um, we need power structures because that's where laws come from and laws need to be uh, made. Uh, they need to be enforced. Uh, infrastructure needs to be built and then maintained. And all of that is accomplished through uh, some sort of structure of authority, some sort of structure of power uh, to help do these things for the good operation of a society. Uh, in fact, I would also say that many of the themes that we've discussed in this series require a community in which decisions are to be made and implemented by those who have authority to make such decisions. Um, in fact, let me make the connection explicit. Having authority means having some measure of power. That authority and power kind of go hand in hand. Uh, they're certainly distinct from one another, but they are relate, closely related. Uh, those in authority most typically have power to make decisions and kind of shape our world. Uh, it is true, so we need power and we need authority structures. They, they often are there to serve the good of a society and a community. Uh, but it is also true that power can corrupt. Uh, that unchecked power and authority often leads parties or institutions or persons to seek their own good rather than the good of others. And so those in power can begin to shape things not for the benefit of the whole or not for the benefit of, of and the most people possible, but those in power can begin to shape things for their own benefit. And so they can shape things for their own benefit and bring enormous harm to others in the process. And so history is actually full of examples of power and authority that has gone awry, that has gone wrong. Um, Power that is turned into little more than attempts to get more power or maintain power. Uh, and then, quite rightly, that forms people being upset with the power structures, and they seek, though, to, in overthrowing those power structures, often to just be in power themselves, right? And so we have this sense that, that power is important, it's a signpost. It's a, it's a necessary thing, and yet we look at history, we see all the ways that power has been abused, and we find that it's actually quite a broken signpost. Um, we find it to be difficult to navigate. And what we need is someone who has authority, but uses that power in service to the good of people and creation rather than just themselves. We need someone who possesses all power and authority, but uses that to, for the good of people and for the good of creation. And I think this conversation between Jesus and Pilate really gets to the heart of the matter. In, in fact, I would say that this conversation is a clash between the power of God and the power of Rome. Uh, it's also a clash, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, between the truth of Rome and the truth of God. Which thing is really true? Which, which way of, of seeing the world is true and good? And you, offer, you remember that 
What we ultimately decided is that truth is when we navigate and orient ourselves around the cross of Christ. But this conversation is very much also about power. In fact, look at the very next chapter, John 19, beginning with verse 8. John 19, beginning with verse 8, says this, Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered the headquarters again, and he asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? You see, Pilate, in this whole episode, speaking about truth and wrestling with what is truth, he very quickly goes to asserting power. He says to Jesus, whom he's quite frustrated with at this point, you realize that I have the power to either save you by releasing you or to crucify you. Pilate was trying to show that he was holding all of the cards. Jesus' fate was squarely and firmly in his hands. He held the power in that situation. And in fact, in this sense, Pilate was answering his own question from the previous chapter. Truth is power. Truth according to Pilate, is holding someone's destiny in your own hands because you have power or authority over them where their life is quite literally dependent upon your decisions. In the end, Pilate understood truth to be that the world runs on an axis of power that is enforced through violence. Pilate understood the truth to be that the world runs on an axis of power or authority, and that authority is enforced through either violence or the threat of violence. You understand that I can release you or I could crucify you. Your destiny is quite literally in my hands, is what Pilate is saying. Now, of course, Jesus' response is as fascinating as it is brilliant. He says in verse, chapter 19, verse 11, you would have no power over me were it not given to you from above. You'd have no power over me were it not given to you from above. You see, by all appearances, this is essentially what Jesus is saying, by all appearances, you do have power over me. And and you, with pressure from the crowd, are about to live out the only truth, the only kind of power that you know, which is to exert power through violence in order to maintain the status quo. But the truth is, is whatever power Pilate holds over Jesus is a false power or a borrowed power right? This power has been given to you from above, which is a way of saying that the God of creation is the one who has all power and authority. Amen. Jesus is prepared to put the power of the God of creation on display. He's saying to Pilate, you do have power. In, this, in a very real sense, in this situation, you hold all the cards my destiny is in your hands. But there is a greater power. There is a greater authority that is at work. 
And Jesus says, I am prepared to put that on display. And Jesus, in fact, does. He puts that power on display. And here's the crazy thing, church. On the surface, at first, it looks like failure. Right? It looks like failure. Like, it looks like Pilate and, and the crowd had its way. Jesus was sent to the cross, and he died. But in fact, by way of the cross, Jesus was defeating the power of sin. And by way of resurrection, Jesus defeated the power of death. And so Jesus is in fact saying, Pilate, you hold a power, it is a borrowed power, and through your exercise of the only kind of power that you understand, I will put on display a greater power. Amen? I will put on display the greatest kind of power that there is. It's a God-like power. This is what it looks like when God flexes God's muscles, and it is this self-giving love. That's the truest power. That's the very thing that, in fact, defeated sin and defeated death. Listen to author and pastor Brian Zond on this point. He says this from his brilliant book called Beauty Will Save the World. He says this, quote, From one perspective, Christ is being tried in Pilate's imperial court. From another perspective, the Christian perspective, Pilate and the whole world are being tried in the court of of Christ. Ultimate truth is not power enforced through violence, but love expressed through forgiveness. End quote. Church, we need to see and to realize and to recognize that the cross redefines power as self-giving love, forgiveness, grace, and resurrection. And we intuitively know this when we see it on display, right? We know the power of the nonviolent witness of Martin Luther King Jr. We know the power of Mother Teresa. Like we know, like as we see throughout history, those who have put self-giving love on display, we know intuitively this is the truest kind of power. And anything that involves sort of this, this power over, this flexing of muscle, this, this bravado kind of power, this is but a show and a display compared to the truest kind of power expressed in self-giving love. We know this intuitively, and yet we are so drawn to this narrative of power over, right? And I just think as Christians, we need to just begin wrestling with this truth that if we believe, we call ourselves Christians, Christians, those of Christ, right? And the central event in Jesus' life was, in fact, his death on the cross and the resurrection. This should center our faith. And if, if the cross is centering our faith, then we need to look to the cross to begin to understand what is truth, what is beauty, what is spirituality, what is 
freedom, right? And then what is power? And get all of our cues and all of our ideas around, centered around the cross of Christ. And if we understand what's happening on the cross correctly, we will come to know that power is displayed in self-giving love. But for sure I'd get an amen there, so I just kind of let it hang, right? It's okay. It's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. Let me put it to you this way. We can know and be confident that the truest kind of power is self-giving love revealed on the cross. Because this is the power that defeated death, not cause it. This is the power that defeats death, doesn't cause it. And this is the power that defeats sin, not perpetrate it. Right? It ends the cycle of sin. It ends the cycle of violence. It has power over death, not causing more death. And so, I just encourage you to think about sort of the implications of this, right? Like with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, begin to consider what are the implications if we really understood power as truly revealed and redefined on the cross as self-giving love and the power of resurrection. That has all kinds of implications, I think, for how we live our lives, for the convictions that we hold, for our posture in the world, all kinds of things. What the world needs is someone or a group of people to bear witness then to this kind of power. Remember what we talked about, this broken signpost, it's messy, it doesn't exactly work out the way we think it should. What we need is someone who possesses power and authority but is willing to give it in service to others for the good of the whole. And so, who use their authority for the good of others instead of self-interest, who bear witness to the power of self-giving love, who lay down their lives for their convictions. It's interesting that when you look at church history, the moments of the greatest kind of growth in the Christian movement, the Christ-centered movement, comes at the hands of those who were martyred, those who refused to take up sword and instead would lay down their life for their conviction. And in, the, in that, that moment, like the movement, the Christ-centered movement grew like crazy. And you see this kind of all throughout history. So this is what we need. A group of people willing to work out as best as they can what it means to embody this kind of power in the world. And I'll bet you know where this is headed. <laughs> in the wisdom of God, God gave that authority to humanity from the beginning. And in particular, then, the people of God called the church are called to, in fact, embody this. Um, that we are called to the, to the high privilege, high responsibility challenging words of embodying this kind of power in the world. And we do that in the midst of all the kind of messiness and nuance and uncertainty, uh, right? Um, that there's, there's all sorts of like 
questions or implications that could come up, and I'd love to talk to you about some of those, but it's just like, it's not easy, clean, and clear um, that this is a nuanced discussion, but if we, if we center our faith on the cross of Christ with the conviction that true power is revealed in self-giving love, then let's make that our starting point and work everything else out, right? But if we start at different starting points, like if we start just to like a maybe cultural commitment to power over and then try to overlay some, some Jesus-y things on top of that, then that's, that's when it gets real messy real fast. But if we're confessing faith and we're, conf- we're saying, I, we are Christians, uh, then we ought to just start here at the cross. The cross of Jesus redefines power as self-giving love. And let's work it out from there. And let's have a nuanced discussion. Okay, I was talking about authority given away. <laughs> and, and that's what Jesus does. Uh, first, first, in Genesis 1, uh, God, after creation, gives humanity power and authority uh, over creation to steward it well. Uh, what this means is we ourselves are not the king. Uh, there is a king of, of creation. It's the creator, right? Who holds all power and authority. But in God's wisdom, or perhaps God's folly, depending on how you look at it, God gives that authority away to humanity and says, I have created this world. I have called it good. Now you are to steward it and care for it so that everything is in its proper order. In other words, you are to be my steward kings over this creation. And so right from the very beginning, the, literally the first page of Scripture shows us that God, the Creator, who has all power and authority, who possesses it all, is yet humble enough to give some authority and power away to humanity, probably knowing that that maybe would turn into a little bit of a mess, right? And yet God gives authority away, And that, number one, that call or that commission from Genesis 1 hasn't changed. But in addition, we recognize then the role of the church as having authority. We are to embody God's self-giving love, God's power, God's justice, God's beauty, God's freedom, the spirituality centered on Christ. We're to embody all of these things to the world, right? And so if you understand like what we've been doing in Broken Signpost is let's understand how the signpost is broken, how it disappoints us, how it lets us down, how it doesn't always play out how we think it should. Let's redefine that broken signpost in light of the cross and resurrection of Jesus to help get a better understanding on it, understand what God is up to in the world, and then we are invited to live according to that truth. And here's the real kicker so that we ourselves and our collective life together in what we call the church becomes a signpost. That is broken, right? Because it's not gonna be perfect for us. We're not gonna do this perfectly. So we ourselves become the broken signposts pointing to these truths redefined in Christ. Amen? And I can't think of any better way to end the series than that.
other than to just pray that God would help us on this journey, that God would help us become signposts that more perfectly, more truly point to Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, you have commissioned us as the people of God, gathered in what we have called the church. And you have called us to embody, to put on display your goodness. And you have called us, God, to put on display all the, the ways in which we can redefine these things that our world and our culture and all cultures throughout history have, have said, we know these things are important, that these things matter. They're pointing us to something far larger than themselves. And so, God of creation, you have called us who would profess by faith that these things are redefined in Jesus to be witnesses in the world of these things. So God, I pray that you would empower us for faithful living. I pray that you would give us discernment as we work out all the nuances and complexities of a world and a culture that has become very complex. And there aren't easy answers. And actually, there's probably a lot of nuance and probably a lot of gray area, but we live in a culture and a time in particular that really wants to live on the edges, on one side or the other. So God, help us to faithfully wrestle with what it means to understand these truths in light of the Christ. Give us discernment, God, to know what it will look like in everyday life, in the decisions that we make, um, in the convictions that we hold, in the things that we post. And God, help us ultimately to become signposts ourselves, that somehow, by your grace, the capital C church and this church in particular, Emmaus Road Church, and our collective life together would point people um, to these signposts redefined by the cross. Lord, forgive us when we don't do it perfectly. Forgive us when we get it just plain wrong and empower us and help us to get it more right. God, we love you, and we confess our need for you in these moments. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.